0: Years ago, um, when I was in the Army, we left Fort Hood and we took a Chinook. This is a, a CH-47. And uh, we left in the evening time, and we were headed to Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas. And during that, that flight from Fort Hood to Fort Sam Houston, um, I was able to go up into the cockpit and um, saw the two officers there operating. And this picture really doesn't do justice because there's windows on this side as well, and you can see perfectly everything. And I was standing up a little bit like this looking down, and um, I talked to the pilot, and I said, what does it look like when you veer left? And it goes like this, and I'm like holding on. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was nighttime, but you could see all the lights. You could see the landscape for miles. Not David, but the psalmist this morning is going to talk to us about a path, about a course that we should see clearly and want to be involved with clearly in our lives. Um, Psalm 119, many of you know it. It's the longest psalm in the Psalms. Um, There are, and I went back and counted it, 176 verses in Psalm 119. So I did some calculating. I normally preach three verses uh, during a sermon, or at least I've gotten there now. Um, if I were to preach Psalm 119, just 119, it would take me 58 weeks taking three verses at a shot. That is a year and two months. That's how long this psalm is and how rich. The psalmist is not identified Uh some say King David; um, others have other theories. But the psalmist is really unidentified. But what is important to note in the writings here is that it is an acrostic. That means each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet and continues to cycle like this. So that's why they call it an acrostic. Uh, an acrostic. Um, it is basically a collection of prayer. And, med- ...and meditation. Now, uh, some statistics on this psalm. And I, I went through and I didn't actually count all of them. I, I relied on other scholars. But um, the word law is used 25 times in Psalm 119. The word is used 20 times. Judgment is used 19 times. The word saying is used 19 times. The word commandment is used 21 times. The word statutes is used 21 times. The word precepts are used 21 times. The word testimony is used 22 times. And the words way and path are used at least 10 times. And and, uh, I think really what we're looking at here in Psalm 119 is, is a path, a way. And so that's why I chose these particular verses that I did this morning. Now, what the psalmist says to us is that we're to keep on course. And we start with the words guarding. And he writes here, how can a young man keep his way pure? Uh, No doubt this was written for young men, but at a secondary level, it can be written for all of us. How can we keep our way pure? The word way is ora. Ora in Hebrew, and it means manner of path. So here the psalmist has in his mind, how can a young man keep the path pure, the way in which he walks? Um, very clearly here, there's, there's roads that you can travel as believers. You can travel in a road that is away from God, or you can uh, travel on a road that is towards God. And, of course, we would all be in agreement that the goal in the Christian life is to walk the way of the Lord. Keep in step with the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says. But there he's telling, he's saying here, make sure that you watch the way that you walk and your manner of life. It's a good call. And, in fact, the psalmist, uh, historians have written volumes on this psalm. Uh, Some of the historians say that the psalmist reflects a person who has been persecuted, that has come under attack, uh, vicious attack. And this is a response to those attacks, that he would prayer and meditate uh, on the word of God. And so, in, in, a, in, in a sense, the path is so important to the psalmist that he puts it right up front. It's a QA. a There's a question and an immediate answer that follows. The word pure, zaha, zaha, means to be clean or to keep clean in the moral sense. We live in a culture that is polluted. You realize that? Our, our, our culture, it gets so difficult for Christians in, in day-to-day living. I mean, you cannot escape the pollution of the world. There's so many images So many things in which the world thinks is beautiful and and wonderful. And yet when we compare it to Scripture, we go, no, that is not wonderful. That is not pure. That is not holy. That is not of God. And yet we are bombarded in our Christian walk. You turn on the television. I mean, think about some of the shows that are on TV today. We're not talking like it was in the 50s and 60s there was an element of purity there. We have long since abandoned that. But there's so much that comes into our world on a day-by-day basis through our iPods, our iPads, our cell phones, television, radio. All of these things bombard us, and it gets tougher. It gets tougher as a Christian to walk in the midst of a culture that is in pollution. It does. It's just the way it is. So it's more incumbent upon us to stay focused and to stay on the path and to make the good choices, to make the biblical choices as we live. Uh, John Wesley John Wesley, says this, Always remember the essence of Christian holiness is simplicity and purity. One design, one desire, entire devotion to God. I, I think he nailed it. Because if you are not, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, in our culture today, if you are not holy and we are not wholly devoted to God, it is very easy to get off path. It is very easy to start thinking, well, the world, it's not that bad. And, and so this, this is okay over here. But, but what God condemned in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he still condemns today. And so we have to remain diligent. We have to remain vigilant in the way that we follow him and, and live for him. Now the answer is immediate. When he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? immediately the psalmist answers it by guarding it according to your word. Guarding Shama. I love that word, Shema. I could say that all afternoon. Shema. Guarding. And that means to watch over our purity much like guards in a tower look for the enemy we should be watching our spiritual landscape for the enemy that would come up against us and get us to veer from what we want to do we have to be we have to be vigilant brothers and sisters it's just so easy i, I can't beat this point enough it is so easy for us to become entangled in this world when we realize what we're dealing with we are dealing with an enemy that wants to knock us off track now let me say this the enemy for a true believer can never take your salvation we would all agree with that right once you have trusted in Christ you are in Christ you are saved you are his but that doesn't mean that we can't veer off track and go in a wrong direction so i'm not talking here about if you if you make a mistake and and, and you veer off I mean goodness <laughs> Look at King David. He's, he's the poster child of Earing, particularly in his one particular sin with Bathsheba. And that sin led to another sin and to another sin. David knows about this. But it didn't mean that God abandoned David or pushed him away because he says to David, I will establish your throne forever because you are a man after my own heart. And he did in Jesus Christ establish that throne forever. So I'm not saying that if you make a mistake or you stumble or you sin or you, or you crash and burn, if you want to put it that way, God is still there with you. You just need to repent and get back on the path and follow him again. And so he says, by guarding it according to your word, the vow, And that is speech or communication or statement. The Bible you see what the psalmist is doing here how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to the word Uh, this this is the most important protector we have of purity so when we read the Word of God we can look at the worldview And then we can look at God's view and say the world's view is wrong. God's view is right. Therefore, based on that, I will follow the word of God. It's a decision that you make to follow the word of God. And when we choose poorly, when we choose to do it the world's way or even worse, our way, there are natural consequences that come out of that. And sometimes those consequences last a lifetime. And I've often heard this. Well, there's so many do's and don'ts in Scripture. God just is just a killjoy. No, 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 no. God has put those protective parameters in your life to keep you safe from making mistakes. In 29 years of pastoral ministry... And I've heard a lot of people's stories, and I and I and I think how much of our stuff, how much of the stuff that we uh, deal with in our lives today, were based on poor choices. Had, and then they say, "I wonder why God put this on me." And then when you start listening to the person, you realize God didn't put this on you. You did it yourself. You 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 did it. You did it yourself. It is not God's responsibility to live your life. You're to live your life with, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And you are to do it the way he wants you to do it. And it's not because God wants to zap your joy. In fact, there's no greater joy in this life than following God. Because you know that you are walking with him and that the relationship is there. It's when we go our own way. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, if there are some mistakes that will plague you the rest of your life, you say, well, that's pretty harsh. Well, he's talking here about purity. Purity means a life that is wholesome before God, and that's that's the goal of the Christian life. I know. We all mess up. We all stumble. We all fall. That should be a given. Well, maybe it shouldn't, but it is. It's just, just just, the way that it is. And I'll say this. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Thank God that when he came into our lives, Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, that he sealed us until the day of redemption. Praise God. You know, watching Irene the other night and I was watching her chest rise and fall and it became slower and slower I just realized that wait a minute this is a sad moment but uh, in the grand scheme of eternity God knew the moment that that heart started he was there and God knew and preordained the last beat of that heart so that she could go into the presence of God. And I remember um, talking to Irene, um, well, it was sometime this week. I, my mind's we Wednesday. Um, I remember leaning over to Irene and I said, Irene, you're a good girl. And she opened her eyes, and she looked at me, and she says, well, I hope so, so, <laughs> I said, and then I told her, I said, Irene, I don't think you have anything to worry about, um, but, you know, it really is, it, it starts with a desire to want to do what is right, and to do it God's way. And I just want you to realize that mistakes sometimes cost us a lifetime. And therefore, you should guard it. Secondly, seeking. This is also vitally important. Now, the psalmist goes on to say this in verse 10. With my whole heart, I will seek you. Whole heart, kolave, lave. Kol whole meaning entirety. Heart, lave, we've seen that before. And I'll give, you the, I'll give you the biblical definition. It is the mind, the soul, the spirit, self, uh, for example, the source of life and the inner person, various aspects, with a focus on feelings, thoughts, volition, that's will, and other areas of the inner life. When the psalmist writes, with my whole heart, he is talking about his entire being, who he is as a person. Well, what is that whole person doing? He says here very clearly, I will seek you. Darash, to search diligently with care. If I could paraphrase it in my own understanding, with my whole inner being, I will seek you diligently with everything that I have. There was a when when I was in Bible college. I remember we had to we had to study. Um, of course, we studied a lot. Uh, maybe by my standards, a little too much, but <laughs> so many papers and stuff. There was one theologian that I was astonished by. I have his commentaries. They're up in my. In my office, made such an impression upon me. I don't know if you ever heard of a man named Albert Barnes. Albert Barnes, um, basically in the 1800s. And the day in class, Doctor Windsor was was talking about Albert Barnes. I just, I was like awed by this man. He would wake up at four o'clock in the morning. This is in the 1800s. He would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He would... In those days, they didn't have electricity. So they had to light candles. He would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, light two candles on his desk. And he would sit for a time of intense prayer. Then, after the intense prayer, he would open the scripture and he would immerse himself in Scripture for six to eight hours. From that immersion in Scripture, it, it you know, as, as a young pastor, just starting up, that was the vision of what I got in my heart that I should be when I stand in the pulpit, that I should study the Word to, to know it and to preach it and to take it seriously. And Albert Barnes from that wrote commentaries. He did this for years. When I think of somebody, when when I saw this verse, I go, Albert Barnes, and what is my problem? Because when I think about a man that gave his whole life, his whole heart to understanding the word of God, I think of Albert Barnes. Now, I didn't always agree with Albert Barnes and his findings, but I tell you what I cannot fault him for, his dedication. And I know as sure as I'm standing here today that he busted the kingdom of heaven wide open because of his love and devotion to God. If you want a standard of what it looks like, there it is. Albert Barnes, 4 a.m. for years would get up intense tense prayer. None of us do that, right? Well, to me, that's what it looks like. When somebody, that's, it just, man, when Dr. Windsor told us the story of Albert Barnes, I was like, okay, and God put it in my heart then that you need to study the word because he took it so seriously. That's where it started for me to know the story of Albert Barnes. And I bought his commentaries. They're up there. He wrote them on the Old Testament and the New Testament. Had some other writings. Uh, um, great man of God. Great man of God. So if you want an image of somebody that's seeking God with their whole heart, think, think about that. What a man. And then he says, let me not wander from your commandments. Wonder means to go astray or error. You see what the psalmist is doing here. Uh, he has said, How am I going to keep my way pure? Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to guard it according to the word. And with my whole heart, I am going to seek you so that I do not wander from the truth, from the path. We're talking here about a path. Um, uh, many of you know I don't watch Survivor Man all that much. Um, I watch him a lot because I, li- I like Survivor Man. Um, and of course, I did the three-day survival course. You know, I'm crazy. I'm nuts. I know, but um, he—I was watching him last night, and he was following the steps of a man. It was in Chile, and it's supposed to be an easy path. It's 75 miles. It takes eight, nine days to do it, but it's usually very safe. Well, the man wandered off the path. And Survivor Man looks at the camera and he says, If you're tired and you're hungry, you need to stop so that you do not wander off the path. And what he was retracing was the man had wandered off the path and died. And he was trying to figure out how such an experienced climber and camper could possibly wind up in a situation. Well, the night before, he was told not to go on the path. And snow came, and there was a whiteout, and he got off. But he was warned. Look, if, if I could say this. God has given us commandments to protect us. He has given us his word to show us this is the way to live for me. If you want to know how to live for me, first of all, you have to get in here to know the way. It's good that you go to Sunday school class. It's good that you have Sunday school teachers. It's good that you have a preacher that preaches. Um, It's good that you have a mother and father that... That, that, that showed you the Bible, but ultimately you've got to own this. You've got to own it. I've got to own it. And when we get in the Word of God, we go, okay, well, I shouldn't do this. And I won't do it. And some decisions, unfortunately, can cost you even your life if you're not careful. So, keep on course. You know, I one of the big one of the things that I like to challenge you to do is just read, read a chapter a day. I mean, just start there. Just read, read a chapter a day, and I guarantee you, God will speak. That's because true believers have the Holy Spirit living inside them, and as you read the Scripture, God will speak to you. Uh, it, it's just do it. Nike says just do it. I'm telling you, just do it. Read the Bible. And treasure the word. Not only do we keep on course, but we treasure the word. And you're thinking, why did Pastor Mike put meditation up there? Well, you'll see in a minute. The psalmist writes, I have stored up your word in my heart. The word stored up is a meditative word. It's safan, and it means to treasure something. It has six meanings in Scripture, particularly. The store up means here to cherish or to treasure something. It's something that is of great value. A couple of weeks ago, we went to a Wycliffe Bible Translators dinner, and um, One of the images out of this were people who were receiving a Bible in their own language for the first time. And there were all these hands reaching for that Bible. And when somebody would get that Bible, they would be smiling, they would be excited. I think I think we have become lackadaisical. I think we have forgotten because we live in a culture that you can pull up any translation of the Bible, whatever you want. Um, it's there right at our fingertips that it's no longer something that is esteemed as great and of great value. And sometimes... Um, sometimes we don't even read the Bible, and then we wonder why our lives turn out the way they do. I, I can, I can just tell you this: twenty-nine years of pastoral ministry has taught me. After listening to stories, and I know I said this before, I'm going to say it again: that when I listen to people's stories, I, what's usually absent is I was following Jesus. And we just, I don't know, I don't know, brothers and sisters, m- maybe we've, we've gotten to a point where we've become numb to the Bible. Or that it might make a good prop up if I just leave, you know, prop it up on the, on the coffee table. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the sum total of your biblical reading, there's a problem. You've got to be in this word every day and to treasure it. You know, I've got Bibles up there, and one of them that I treasure the most is from my grandmother. I don't use it for preaching, but sometimes I go back and I look at where she inscribed it to me. He says here, I have stored up your word in my heart. That's lave. We know what that means. Stored up is the word for meditation. Back when I was in seminary at Kansas City, one of the professors was teaching um, a course on reflective scriptures. And one day in class, and I know I've probably shared this with you before, but that's okay, I can share it again. Um, He said, one of the things we're going to try today is called meditation. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to, and by the way, this was the verse. um, This was the verse that he gave us. Thy word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He said, I want everybody in the classroom to close their eyes and I want you to visualize that scripture. He said, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. And it was quiet for 10 minutes. And I just focused on what that verse meant and what came up to me was a cobblestone street and every time i had that bible open i can still see it every time i had that bible open the place right in front of me was lit and i could see but when i closed the bible it went dark thy word i can i'll never forget that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and too many times in our christian lives we are trying to walk in the darkness If there's something going on in your life right now, I guarantee, I guarantee it, there is something in the Word of God that deals with the problem that you have. And we should be in there trying to find it. Not what Aunt Sally thinks, and although Aunt Sally may be a godly woman, That's, you know, I would even say whatever pastor says to you, you come to me, I'll try to give you godly counsel, but ultimately you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you get in the word of God, he will give you direction and show you what to do. There's nothing wrong with seeking godly counsel. Nothing wrong at all. People come to me with problems. I pray with them. I try to give them, you know, my view on on, on what it means, but ultimately you have to do this. And when when we don't treasure God's word in our heart, we're just trying to go around in the dark. So we have to be careful of that. We have to really be careful of that. Keep on course. Treasure the word in your heart. And the, the purpose that the psalmist leads us to, that, Generally, whenever you see the word that in Scripture, it always points to the purpose or reason for what he just said. So, I store up your word in my heart, and the purpose of that is that I might not sin against you. Hakah. You know what that word sin is? Hakah. It means to go the wrong direction. It means to miss the goal. It means to miss the mark. Have we heard that before? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It sounds to me like the psalmist had a peek into Paul's writings. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Sin put Jesus on the cross, therefore sin is offensive. And if sin is offensive to God, then I need to be very careful not to offend him doesn't mean I lose my salvation. Um, It doesn't mean that that God doesn't love me. But I want to walk in such a way as to please him with my life and with your life. Isn't that your goal? Isn't it your, your goal to please God with your life? Martin Luther, the great, I've got all these older guys coming up today, but I like them all. Sin is essentially a departure from God. Thank you. In him there is no darkness, John writes. God cannot sin. How he put Jesus Christ, his only son, on the cross and let him become sin for me. Beyond comprehension. share a story with you about a little boy who was playing baseball. <laughs> Not this little boy, just representative of the story. A little boy gets, walks up to the plate. He looks out and he sees his dad in the audience. A little boy went so badly to get a base hit for his dad. The first pitch comes he swings and he misses the second pitch he decides to let it go and it was inside it was a ball the third pitch comes and he decides he's going to try to swing at this one but it was outside and he missed it it was outside and low and he missed it so the next pitch he decides I bet you the pitcher is probably not even going to throw it near the plate so he just let it go and it was right down the middle the boy struck out. The boy holds his head. And as he is walking back to the bench. Sees his father. And his father said. because you gave it your best. This little boy wanted to please his father so much. And his father saw him try, try, try. He didn't succeed, but his father still gave him. Brothers and sisters, you may stumble, you may fall, you may make mistakes, and you repent. And God does this because he knows that your heart is bent towards him. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're you're not going to make mistakes. But when you do ask for forgiveness and God is there to remove it as far as the east is from the west. And he goes like this. I don't care if you struck out 1,500 times. God can still do this when he knows that you love him and are trying to please him with your life. Hmm. Let me say this. Watch the way we live for him. Seek God with all of our hearts. Let that be the one thing I want you to take away today. Say, God, help me to seek you with all of my heart, with all of my being. Help me to seek you, to please you. And then sink your hearts into scripture.